This morning, we're going to be in John chapter 8 and reading verses 12 through 30. John chapter 8, 12 through 30. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the, excuse me, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you are bearing witness about yourselves. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going. But you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. So he said to them again, I am going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself? Since he says where I am going, you cannot come. He said to them, you are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So they said to him, who are you? Jesus said to them, just what I have been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I have heard from him. They did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he was saying these things, Many believed in him. Father, we just thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that you are the name above every name. What a beautiful name it is. Lord, that every knee will bow to it and every tongue will confess to it. Lord, I thank you that you are the light of this world. Father, fill us with that light this morning as Jackie comes and delivers your word. Father, encourage us with the hope that you have given us through Jesus in your word. Lord, I pray that we could go out of here this morning uh, so full of you that the world could see you through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning. <clears throat> 
good to be back. I feel post-COVID now, so I'm glad to have joined that community. Um, as we uh, as we get started this morning, just a quick uh, announcement about men's study on Thursday night. We're going to need to meet here still for a couple weeks uh, instead at my house because my son Joe has tested positive for COVID, so he's got I'm guessing somewhere around 10 to 14 days, and then uh, and then we should be able to to get things going again in that direction. So we'll meet here, fellas, working our way through the book of Hebrews. I look forward to gathering together with you at that time. We meet at 6.30, so if you can be here, that would be awesome. So this morning, we are looking at the sixth discourse... And the second I am statement in the Gospel of John. Remember we talked about this. There are, are seven discourses that Jesus makes to the public. Now we're going to see other discourses that are private. Times where, where he's headed to the cross and he just is talking to the disciples. But it's the Gospel of John is built around seven discourses, seven miracles, seven I am statements. John told us the purpose. Why have you brought these things together? So that you might know that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and believing in him, you may have life in his name. So this is John's purpose. And it's funny because as we gather together and as we continue our study and we, we as a, a church not just Calvary Chapel Buell, but the church globally struggles with uh, how are we supposed to navigate the times that we're in? I think it's funny that everybody who reads a Facebook post or watches a YouTube video became a doctor or an authority. And everybody, all I know is when I look at the world, nobody knows what's going on. Just so you know. And you can write me the nasty gram later. It's okay. I'll read it. Nobody knows what's going on. Uh, as we clamor to develop a, a uh, um, shot that people can take to, to try to give them immunity, the best time we've ever created, a, a, what's the word? A vaccine is five years. So that's the best time we've ever made. In history, historically, so you don't even have one year down. So, but we look at all of these things and all the things that are going on in the world and all this stuff, and I'm not going to get sidetracked, but I just want you to understand all that stuff is out there. And it's a tool of the enemy to divide his people. We've polarized politically. We polar. We always do it during a, a, a political time. Uh, we polarize by pro mask or anti mask. We polarize by get together, don't get together. We polarize in all these areas, and that is precisely the things that that God doesn't want His people to do: to polarize on all these things. He He did give us a job, right? It wasn't to become an ex, ex, expert on, on diseases or worry or concern. He gave us a job, right? Going to all the world, make disciples of who? Every nation, right? Teaching them about what? 
The things Jesus taught us, right? The things that Jesus said. Baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And lo, what did Jesus say? I'm with you how long? Always, even into the end of the age, right? So we have our marching orders and we are struggling. We, believers, are struggling with how do we accomplish that today? How, how do we accomplish those things? And uh, it, it's not, it does not necessitate that we are all gathered in one room. We can be some here and some at home. And, and we're thankful for the opportunity to be able to reach out online and take care of, of those things. But we need to be thinking corporately as believers, how are we going to accomplish that? We should be thinking as much about that as how are we going to accomplish electing our favorite president as president. I would say we should be thinking about that more. How are we going to share the gospel? Listen to how Jesus did it. Jesus is there at the Feast of Tabernacles. We're still during the Feast of Tabernacles in John chapter 8. And every evening in the celebration of the Feast of Tabernacles, they would light these giant menorahs in the court of the women, which is also called the treasury. So the court is divided into one, two, three, four, I think we say four parts, uh, Gentiles, women, men separated from priests. So you have all these different ways in which people are separated. Jesus goes into the treasury. That's the, the biggest area, the area where the majority of people are going to be able to be. He comes into that spot. And as they've lit the menorah, right? And he has it the backdrop, whether it's, it's probably in the daytime. So the menorah has probably been put out. And Jesus is going to stand before these menorah, these giant lampstands in the middle of the court of the treasury. And he is going to say, I am the light of the world. He is the lens through which we can understand our world. That we can understand what we do and how we're supposed to do it and how we, how we should do the day in and day out. I, I won't say that, that the Bible speaks on every possible topic that it can speak on, but I will say that Jesus Christ gives light to every single topic, every single issue. So we want his light. And as he stands in this place and as the people are gathered around and he makes the proclamation, I am the light of the world. He is doing something that the word of God said, I think the word of God implied would happen since Exodus. Exodus, when Moses stood before the Lord and he's getting his marching orders for what he should do. And Moses says to the Lord, what, well, who do I say has sent me? I mean, can you imagine just showing up, just walk up to a group of people, let's say you're Irish, and you go see a group of Irish people standing over there, and you go over and tell those people, God told me to tell you, how's that conversation going to go? You think it was different back then? You think back then they just all said, oh, okay. No. So, so Moses is saying, Lord, who do I say when they tell me? Who sent you over here? Who should I say? And God said, you tell them, I am. I am that I am. 
And for me, the immediate question that comes up to my mind is, I am what? It means I am the becoming one. Literally, it means I am everything you need. The Bible says that no man has seen God at any time, but Jesus Christ, God in the bosom of the Father, declares God to us. How does he do that? He stands up before the people and he gives them these declarations. I am the light of the world. You want to understand your world, the chaos of life, understanding the things we need to do, the choices we need to make, the directions we need to go then you need to look at all of those in the light of Christ. He is the light of the world. That is one of the ways God is the becoming one. He has become everything that we need. Now as we look at this, we're not going to be able to do the whole discourse. Sorry. I know you guys got out early last week. That's never going to happen again. (laughs) However... This is what I want you to understand. We're going to we're just, just a brief outline, and then we're going to back up and look at what we got. So first, Jesus triggers everyone by saying he's the light of the world. That's, that's a term that happens today, depending on what things you might say, right? People get triggered. Well, he's going to trigger it all. I'm the light of the world. He's going to get a reaction. The reaction is going to come back from his enemies. They're going to say, you don't have the right to bear witness about yourself. Then the discussion is going to go into what it is and why it is that, that man will die in his sin. The relationship between the Father, God, and the Son. The fact that the opponents of Jesus are slaves to sin. And it will conclude with the glory that the Father gives the Son. Now, we're going all the way through 59. We're not making that, obviously, we didn't read that far today. We're not going that far. That's the whole discourse on I am the light of the world. And John chapter 8 is one of the greatest chapters in the Gospel of John. Very strong chapter in terms of focusing on the deity of Christ. So Jesus began and he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. The world is darkness. The Bible will declare that you and I are darkness apart from Christ. The word of God will declare in 1 John 5, 19, that we know we are from God and the whole world lies under the power of God of the evil one. How much of the world? Is that all of it? All of it. The whole world is darkness. Over and over and over again in the Bible, in the Old Testament and in the New, you have this challenge from God, the Father, challenging his people, Israel in the Old Testament, to be a light where? To the Gentiles, to the world, right? The the word for Gentile means the nations, the goyim, everybody else. Be a light. What is, the, what is the thing that, that Jesus has commanded us to do? Go into all the world and make disciples or be a light, right? Be a light to who? The goyim, the nations. The, has the message changed? Has the desire of God changed? No, no. The empowerment, the abilities to succeed at what God is asking us to do, I think, is, is greater in our day than any other day. 
We have the power of the Holy Spirit who can come upon us and empower us for service to do the things God wants us to do. So as we look, Jesus is saying, look, the world is in darkness. When he stands up and says, I am the light of the world, the world is in darkness. He's making proclamation. Isaiah 9-2, looking at the Messiah, says this, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them the light has shone. This is a prophetic scripture pointing to and looking to the beauty of who Christ is. He is the light of the world. The world has seen a great light. Here's the problem. The world doesn't think it's dark. The world doesn't think they're in darkness. The world doesn't think that these things are real. So when Jesus stands up and says, I am the light of the world, it confuses the world because the world's like, it's pretty bright out here right now. I see fine. We just put the candles out. But what Jesus is saying is he is the lens through which our world will make sense. He is the lens through which our purpose will come. He is the lens through which we will understand what we are to do. He is the promised Messiah. And when we look at the Old Testament scripture that talks about the Messiah, you know how it described him? A light. Going where? To the goyim, the Gentiles, or to the nations. Isaiah 42, 6, I am the Lord. I have called you. This is Yahweh, the Father, speaking to the Son. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a promise for the people, a light to the nations. Isaiah 49, 6, he says, is it too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob, to bring back the preserved of Israel? I will make you as a light to the nations that my salvation may reach unto the ends of the earth. Jesus, when he stands up and declares himself to be the light, he's saying, I'm the Messiah. People say, well, Jesus, did Jesus ever really say that? Yeah, you guys remember, you were with us when we did John 4. John 4, 25, the woman said, I know when Messiah comes, the one who is called the Christ, when he comes, he'll tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who am speaking to you am he. As Bible speak for, yes, Jesus said, I am the Messiah. I'm the light to the Gentiles. The writer of John in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 says this, here's the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you. God is light, and in him there is how much darkness? No darkness at all. When Jesus said, I am the light of the world, make no mistake, throughout John chapter 8, you have some of the strongest declarations of the deity of Christ anywhere in the Bible. I am the light of the world. He's declaring himself To be Yahweh, he is declaring himself to be Messiah. He's declaring himself to be the one that gives understanding to the world. Now, the results, when we follow him, what what happens? What does he tell us? If you, I am the light of the world and he who comes to me will what? Shall not walk in darkness. Shall not walk in darkness. 
Colossians 1, just prior to the one that, uh, that, that um, Corey shared this morning in worship, Colossians 1, 13 and 14. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Translates us from darkness to light. 1 John 1, 6 and 7 says this. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie. Because in God, God is light and in him there's how much darkness? No darkness, no darkness. There's no darkness. He says we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. He said, if you follow me, you will not walk in darkness and you will have the light of life. Throughout scripture, we have this concept that God teaches that he, he is life. And when we look at sin and those things that miss the mark of God, they're all associated with death. This is the dividing line, life and death. There is life in Christ. John 1, 4 said this, in him was life and the life was the light of men. What draws people? The life, the light of Christ. John 1, 9 says, the true light which gives light to everyone has come or was coming into the world. Jesus Christ, that perfect light. So Jesus makes this declaration, immediately triggers the mob. So the Pharisees say to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Now I want to try to give you <clears throat> some understanding on this. The word here in Greek means true. That's why it's translated true. But the sentence makes more sense for our understanding if you say lawful. His statement, whether his statement is true or not, has nothing to do with how many people witness it. If you have no witnesses to a murder and somebody murdered somebody, it's true that they murdered somebody even though there's no witnesses, right? You just can't prove it. Lawful. They're saying, look, you're, not, you're, you're the only one making this declaration. It's not lawful. You're, you're not a reliable witness. Solo witness is not a reliable witness. Jesus has had this discussion already. John chapter 5, verse 31. If I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not true. It's not lawful. It's not acceptable. You won't accept it if I'm the only one who is saying it. We still do that today, don't we? Something You guys all know something does not immediately become true because someone posted it on Facebook, right? It's got to make it all the way to YouTube. Oh, is that it? <laughs> That's one of the great challenges, right? The great challenge of our day. Are the fact checkers telling the truth? I don't know. I don't know. Where do we find truth? What does the Bible teach us? Jesus said, I am the way, the, and the life. He is the light of the world. You want to understand what's going on? You bring all things into submission or subjection to Christ. And that's how you'll know what's true. We will look at it all in the light of Christ. 
We line all things up with the word of Christ. We stay focused on that. Proverbs 27.2 says, Let another praise you, not your own mouth, a stranger, not your own lips. The idea of someone else bearing witness. Now, Jesus has said there are three that bear witness to him. Himself, the Father, we understand the words of the Father. The Bible told us in John chapter 6, we went over it, John chapter 6, 45, somewhere around there, that, that the Father spoke to us through the prophets. They have the prophets written down on the Word of God. You go to the prophets, you read what the Father said. That bears witness to the Son. The Son bears witness, and then he says, the things I do bear witness. There are the three witnesses. That's what Jesus is saying. But they... They don't accept any of that. So the, the, the Pharisees find themselves provoked against Jesus. And again, the idea of witness is not new. Jesus has already claimed in John chapter 5 that the Father is his witness, that his acts, the deeds he does, bear witness to who he is, right? You got a lot of guys walking around cleansing lepers? No? Healing the sick? We have a lot of people today who, who bear the title healer. Right? People who have giant billboards. <clears throat> I've told this story before. I have an uncle who died of AIDS, who was a hyper Pentecostal believer. And <clears throat> he went to, the, uh, to uh, these healing crusades to wait in line to say, look, I don't, I don't want to come up and I'm not trying to make a I just want you to pray for me. I want you, the healer, to pray for me. Do you know how many of all the ones he went to would do it? None. Not one. Jesus was a healer. You know how I know? Because you couldn't be sick around him. You couldn't die around him. You, none of this stuff went. Even his friend, Lazarus, right, who, who dies, Jesus shows up four days late. He's still going to rise, right? Jesus is walking into Jerusalem one day and a widow's walking out with her only son on a casket going to bury him and Jesus touches him and, and heals him right there. Jesus acts, spoke for who he was. We as humankind are weak representations of his holiness, his majesty, his power. Jesus Christ, man, he, <clears throat> he's the real deal. His acts, the things he did. Going down and touching a man nobody else would touch. Speaking to a woman nobody else would speak to. His acts spoke of who he was. The word of God spoke of who he was. And he spoke of who he was. So Jesus answered them in verse 14, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true, for I know where I came from and where I'm going. But you do not know where I come from or where I'm going, yet you, you judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. So Jesus is speaking about the reliability of his witness. He says, I know the truth. They were suppressing the truth. They're the definition of Romans 1, 18 through 23. 
Romans 1, 18 through 23 basically states that everyone knows God. God has shown himself to everyone. They are without excuse. All men suppress the truth in unrighteousness. You don't, I can't, I can't do anything today. I can't, I can't turn on a computer. I can't pick up a newspaper. I can't do anything without seeing men suppressing the truth. If I was to say one characteristic of mankind that man is really good at, he is really good at suppressing the truth. The Bible says that's why man is condemned. They suppress the truth of God. Did these Pharisees know where Jesus was born? They did. They knew. He's born in Bethlehem. They, they knew the story, right? Don't think they don't know the story. That his mom uh, miraculously showed up pregnant. That her husband, out of the goodness of his heart, stayed with her. <clears throat> that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. They know the story. The story had been told over and over again. They did not believe the story. But it wasn't because they didn't know the story. So when they would say, oh, does anything good come from the Galilee? Does anything good come from Nazareth? They know where he was born. Where did the Bible say Messiah would be born? Bethlehem. Where was Jesus born? Bethlehem. What did they do? Suppress the truth. Suppress the truth. I don't have to make a proclamation he wasn't born in Bethlehem. I just say, you, you come from Nazareth. Was that true? Yeah, that's where he grew up. Was that where he was born? No. The implication is that he doesn't fulfill the scripture, but he does. These are the things that they're, they're saying. So Jesus, look, look, I know where I come from. I know what's true, but you don't. You're suppressing the truth. And then he said, you judge according to the flesh. Look, that takes us immediately to 1 Samuel 16, 7. When Samuel was looking for King David, you remember? And he goes through all the sons of, of Jesse and he's saying, oh man, look at this guy. He's big, he's strong. That's the one. That's the guy we should choose. The Lord says to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on his height because I have rejected him. For the Lord does not see like man sees. Man looks at the outward appearance. The Lord looks at the heart. What was David called? The man after God's own heart. Was it because he was perfect? Was it because he had no failure? Was it because he didn't suppress the truth? No. He had a heart after God. He had a heart after God. Man's guilt is based on a truth. I don't want you to, I don't want you to miss the point he's making. You judge according to the flesh. You, you look on the outside, you hear the story, you think my mom was a tramp. You think that she slept around and that this is some story where we're trying to redeem it. You think all these things. You judge on the outside. You don't judge with righteous judgment. Then what does Jesus say? Jesus says, I judge no one. What does he mean? Does he mean he doesn't judge anyone? He is the judge. You know that. John chapter 5 declares all judgment has been given to the son. He's the judge. But what is it that scripture declares about Jesus when he comes? John three seventeen. <clears throat> it says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him 
in order that the world might be saved through him, right? So Jesus didn't come to condemn. He didn't come to judge. Does that mean he won't judge between good and evil? Sure he will. This is where the world messes this up all the time. The world wants to walk in darkness and sin, and then if you say you're walking in darkness and sin, they say, don't judge me. Well, that's not my role, just so you know. In in the way you're using that sentence, I can't condemn you anyway. That's Jesus' job. But my job is to tell you you're walking in the dark. You don't have the light. Isn't that what John wrote? If you walk in the light, and if you say you walk in the light, but you're walking in darkness, what do you do? You lie. Don't lie. Man's good at that, isn't he? Man's a good pretender. Look good on the outside. But listen, the son did not come to condemn the world yet. Right? This is one of the the ways, and the Bible talks about the return of Christ. That It describes the first coming as the Lamb of God, the second coming as the Lion of Judah. Those are two different metaphors, right? Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, and the Lion of Judah who will devour the wicked. How does he come Jesus part two is judge. He's saying, look, this is not judgment day. It's not the day of the Lord. I've not come to judge you, but you, these Pharisees are sitting across from Jesus declaring himself to be the light of the world and they are condemning him, right? Aren't they talking about killing him? We gotta get rid of this guy. We gotta arrest this guy. We gotta shut this guy up. This has always been the attitude of the wicked Toward the righteous. In verse 16, Jesus goes on and says, Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it is not I alone who judge, but I am the Father who sent me. In your law it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. Now the reason why Jesus is going to bring this up, and and the reason why John includes this, is what's about to happen in John chapter 9. In John chapter 9, Jesus is going to do the next sign, the next miracle. He's going to heal a man born blind. And they're going to take that man who was born blind, and they're going to throw him out. They're going to excommunicate him. But before they do, they want someone to bear witness for him. And they go to his parents, specifically... They want to hear from his father. For the number one witness for anyone in court would have been your father. If your father spoke for you, that carried a lot of weight. And that's what Jesus is saying to them. My father has bore witness. He told them, you search the scriptures daily. you, You look at them and you say, in these, in the word that we search, we will find life. And Jesus says, don't you understand, those are the Father's words about me. It is they, the scripture, that testify about me. You memorize them. They could quote to you the first five books of the Bible. I can't quote any book of the Bible. I I went to a pastor's conference one time. Uh, Don McClure was there. 
<clears throat> he was sharing, Don McClure, uh, I don't know if you guys know him or not, but, but he, um, he's severely dyslexic, I think. Um, but he quoted the book of Ephesians. That was his message. He just quoted, he didn't make no comments, he just quoted the book of Ephesians. And at, at some point, you know, you're sitting there and you're listening to him and you go, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's just uh, quoting Ephesians to us. And you open up your Bible and follow along. There he goes. These guys had memorized the first five books. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Have you read the first five books? There's, there's a fair amount of genealogy in their names I can't even pronounce, right? These guys memorized... But they, they couldn't see Christ there. Because it was all for the accolades of man. That's what John chapter 6 said. It was all for the praise of man, not for the praise of God. So they never saw. Jesus said, my father, he has spoke for me. He bears witness of me. Verse 19. So they said to him, therefore, where's your father? Now this is going to get harsher later. Later on in John chapter 8, they're going to say to Jesus, at least we know who our father is. What do you think that meant? You, you don't think they're doing a dig? That's not a dig for, uh, you know, your mom, who knows who your dad was. Your brothers and sisters, we know their dad's Joseph. But you, this is exactly what they're getting at. Where is your father and Jesus said, just like he said in John chapter 6, if you don't know the Father, you won't know me. If you don't know me, you don't know the Father. If you have not received the truth that the Scripture had declared through the prophets, <clears throat> John six forty five, then you will not come to me. That's what Jesus said. Look, they said to him, where's your Father? Jesus said, you, ne you neither know me nor the Father. If you knew me, then you would know my father also. John 6, 45 and 46. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. They will all be taught by God, the Father. This is what I'm referring to. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father, Jesus said, comes to me. Everyone who received the light of the revelation that God gave through the scriptures did what? Came to Jesus. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father, Jesus Christ, who is in the bosom, himself, God. So, Jesus is saying, this is the... This is the, this, the Disagreement over witness. Jesus pointing to the witnesses. The Pharisees are not receiving or acknowledging the witness. So what will become then of the one who rejects this truth? This is where we go in verse 21. So he said to them again, I am going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. By the way, this phrase, the word sin is singular. Later on, the word sin will be plural. But in this case, the word sin is singular. Why is it singular? What is the singular sin that they will die in? Rejection of Jesus Christ. 
the rejection of who he is. And that's the point that he's going to be developing. He says, where I'm going, you can't come. Now, they immediately get another dig. So a a minute ago, they said, where's your father? Show us your father. You can't because you don't know who he is. That was their implication of, of his story. They thought they knew the truth of. So the Jew says, will he kill himself since he says where I am going, you cannot come. And you need to understand this is dig number two. Well, the only way that where you're going, we can't come is if you go to hell. That's what they're saying. Because we're not going to hell. We're the most righteous. We're the most righteous group. The Pharisees, we're the guys everybody looks at and says, we know they're going to heaven. So they say, was he going to kill himself then? Because the only way for him to go where we can't come is if he goes to hell. This is, their, this is the argument that they're making. Is he going to kill himself? He said to them, so then Jesus says, no, friend, you are from below. I am from above. Now in chapter 8, Jesus is going to say that they are of their father. Just like he is of his father. And he's going to make declaration. You are like your father, the devil. That's what he's going to tell him. You will reflect the one you serve. And so, all the time, I've had a numerous... Numerous conversations with people who say, Jackie, well, how do you defend church history and all the things they've done? And just because somebody puts a, a thing outside a door that says church doesn't mean they're the church. Just because someone makes proclamation that they're doing God's work doesn't mean they're doing God's work. How do you know if somebody's doing God's work? You look at the testimony of the Father. <laughs> Are they following the testimony of the Father? Does their life line up with what the Word of God declares? Are they walking in light as Christ is in the light? Do they reflect Christ in what they do? No, counting how many little Jewish babies you can put on the end of a spear is not doing the work of God. I don't care who makes the proclamation. <clears throat> Jackie, the Pope said it was. Look, in case you haven't been paying attention, the Pope says a lot of things. The word of God doesn't always line up with. Right? We want to know the truth. We hold fast to the truth. Jesus says, you are from below. You reflect the God you serve. You reflect the God you serve. This is why it is so vital for God's people to understand what God said he wants from you. Because you will reflect the God you think he is. So what does God say of you, for you? What does God want from you? He says, I want you to be faithful to me and I want you to know me. Do you know him? You don't know him by watching YouTube. You don't, you don't know him by watching a sermon. You don't know him unless you personally are engaging with him in his word to know him. And you're engaging in his word to know him amidst other men slash women who are engaging in his word to know him. 
so that we ground one another, so that we grow in our understanding of who God is, so that we, by our behaviors, would rightly reflect the God who is, not the God we think is. Those are not always the same person. If I had a nickel for every time somebody told me, my God would never do that, you better be sure. The way you're sure is to know him. And the way you know him is through his word. Studying to show yourself approved, the workman of God rightly dividing the word of truth. Coming to know the Lord. Look, Jesus says, you're going to seek me but you're not going to find me. You will die in your sin. Jesus is the dividing point. This is why Jesus is, uh, is the essential. One of the things we're doing on the, the Bearded Biker Bible Man thing that I do is, uh, you, by the way, you don't have to be bearded or biker to watch that, but we're doing a series on the essentials of the faith. What are the essentials of Christianity? And, and one of the essentials of Christianity is who is Jesus? If you have the wrong Jesus, you're not saved. Jesus is saying to them, you don't acknowledge who I am. You will die in your sin. You better know who Jesus is. You better know who he is. Jesus saying, John eight twenty four. Let's just get to it. I told you that you would die in your sin for unless you believe that ego I me, that I am, you will die in your sin. In your Bible, the word he should be in italics because the word he is not present in the text, nor was it present in the text in verse 21. It's given by translators to clarify. When Jesus stands before them and he says to them, unless you believe that I am, you will die in your sin, he is saying three things and he is saying all three of them. The three things he is saying, unless you believe that I am what I say, the light of the world, you will die in your sin. That's one. Unless you believe that I am he, the Mashiach Nagid, the Messiah, you will die in your sin. That's two. Unless you believe that I am Yahweh, you will die in your sin. That's three. All three of those statements come out of the phrase, Unless you believe, ego I me, I am. I am is the divine name. Unless you believe, I am what I have been saying I am. Unless you believe, I am Mashiach, Messiah, the promised one, the Lamb of God that has come to take away the sin of the world, you will die in your sin. In Isaiah 43.10, the prophet wrote this, You are my witnesses, declares the Lord. And my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe and understand, I am. That's what it says in Isaiah 
that you would know and understand that I am he. Before me, no God was formed, nor shall there be after me. Jesus making the same proclamation in John chapter 8. And trust me, you aren't going to be able to miss it because it keeps coming. In this chapter, this proclamation is going to keep coming. He's going to keep saying, he's going to keep emphasizing that he is God in the flesh, which was proclaimed to us in John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, face to face. The Word was with God, face to face. And the Word was God. Theos. Jesus' declaration of deity. Unless you believe that I am, you will die in your sin. Unless you believe I am the light of the world, which is a proclamation of deity. Unless you believe that I am Messiah, which is a proclamation of deity. Unless you believe that I am eternal God, you will die in your sin. You better know who Jesus is. The word Jesus people throw around in a lot of ways. Don't they? They like to use that word as a curse word. There's a lot of people who, who worship and serve Jesus who have no idea who Jesus is. Unless you know who he is, you will die in your sin. That's what he was declaring to the most religious men at their time. Standing in front of the ones that all the people would have said are the most righteous. Jesus will say, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the Pharisees, you will die in your sin. How is it our righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the Pharisees? Because you need to be clothed in his righteousness. Not in your own. So they say to him, who are you? So they are understanding what he's saying. Who are you? <clears throat> Jesus said, just what I've been telling you from the beginning. This is how I hear this. They're like, who are you? Jesus is like, why won't you listen to the words that are coming out of my mouth? He is saying it over and over again. Just what I told you from the beginning. He says, I have much to say about you and much to judge. He looks at them and he's like, well, you guys are sitting in the back room having meetings about killing me and I know it. I have much to say about you, but that's not what I'm here for. Jesus is saying, I'm not here to condemn you. I'm not here to judge you. But he will say, to Pilate, and he will say to the high priests that he will be their judge on the day that they're crucifying him. You will see the Son of Man in glory sitting on the throne. That's the Son of Man in glory. His Father's throne in heaven. You'll see me. You'll, you'll stand before me. But he says, this is not what I came to do. I didn't come for this. I didn't come for all of these things. I came because the Father who sent me, he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world that I have heard from him. I am here to do my Father's will. Isn't that the proclamation he's going to make in the Garden of Gethsemane? In Gethsemane, isn't he going to make the declaration, nevertheless, not what I will, but what the Father will. Isn't he going to say over and over again, I'm just here to do what my Father has sent me to do. To accomplish the purpose that my Father has sent me to accomplish. Doesn't mean he's in disagreement. 
He's saying we have distinct wills. The will of the Son and the will of the Father are distinct, but they're not in opposition. So he's saying, I'm here to do the Father's will. I'm going to accomplish the Father's will. I'm here to tell you. What is the message that Jesus has been preaching up to this point? Repent and believe. That is what he preached from the moment he left John the Baptist. He carried the message of John the Baptist to the people. Repent. Turn from all that you are doing and come to me. And everyone who comes to me, I will not cast out. Come to me. How many times? Jesus says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me. Just like Lady Wisdom in Proverbs calling, come to me. This is the message that he preached. Repent and believe. But they did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. They don't understand. They don't understand. Because the word of God was a method to be praised by men for them. Not a way to know God. Our motivations will matter. If our focus is the praise of men, the accolades of men, that everyone will like me and I'll, they'll think I'm, I'm a good person and this is my goal, that's, that's a separate goal from saying I want to live a life that pleases God. I want to know you, God. I want to do what you're telling me to do. Because sometimes when you do what God's telling you to do, other people will think you're stupid. I have been in ministry for more than 25 years. I have heard the how stupid I am speech from family and friends for 25 years. You're stupid. You shouldn't do that. You shouldn't do this. It's not gonna, that's not gonna work out. See, I told you. I've heard, see, I told you so many times. <clears throat> but I don't care about that. I'm not doing this for the accolades of men. I'm doing this to, to honor my God and King. And I know that the, the, the way that I'm honoring him is not perfect. I'm not trying to say that at all. I know I fail. But this is what I promise. Every time I fall or falter, I will rise a better man. More focused to be who God wants me to be. And I will fall again. And I will rise again. And I will grow each and every time. So that I might more accurately reflect him. This is my mission. What was the mission Christ had? They don't understand what he's talking about. So Jesus said to him, this is probably one of my favorite sections and I'm out of time. So I'll probably back up on this next week. When you have lifted up the son of man, then you will know I am eternal God. What is the greatest event that points to the divinity of Christ? His resurrection. When you lift me up, what's he talking about? When you lift me up. He's not saying when you, the Pharisees, exalt me. The Pharisees aren't ever going to exalt him. What are they going to do? They're going to put him on a cross. He says, when you lift me up, then you will know. What do you think was going through their minds when a whole sky went black? What do you think was going through their minds when the earth quaked, when the temple 
uh, <clears throat> had the, the veil rent from top to bottom. What do you think was going on in their mind? You think all the words Jesus ever said to them didn't come blaring back in their head? When you lift me up, they say, we don't know who you are. Jesus says, well, when you lift me up, you'll know. They're going to nail him to the cross. Pharisees standing around, sticking out their tongue, doing all whatever rude gestures they had back in those days. They're going to do all these things to him. And Jesus is going to say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. When you lift me up, you'll know who I am. If you are the Son of God, come down from that cross. And Jesus he would say by his actions, because I am the son of God, I won't come down. Because this is the purpose for which I have come. Jesus came to be lifted up. Jesus was born to die. The people were not going to receive him. They were going to reject him. Prophets had spoken of it long before. Isaiah 53 says that it pleased the Father to smite the Son. Why? Why does it please the Father to do that? Because that is how he is going to accomplish salvation to all who will come to the Son. That's how it's going to be done. So Jesus said, this is what I came for. <clears throat> you guys all accepting what I do, that's not why I'm here. I'm here to do the work of the Father. I'm here to die on the cross. I'm here to give my life a ransom for whosoever will, for all who will call, for those who will come. For those who will come. What was his mission? To be lifted up, and then you will know, ego I me, that I am, and I do nothing on my own authority but speak just as the Father taught me. What was his motive? And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that please him. Jesus saying, my motive is to honor my Father. Interesting, isn't that a commandment? To honor your mother and father, Right? Does it surprise us that the Son of God would walk in that? I'm here to honor my Father. I'm here to honor Him. I'm here, I'm here to fulfill His purpose. I'm here to accomplish His work. The agent through which it will all be done. Jesus is expressing, and the Father is always with me. Look, the Father's presence is always here. Except for a moment, right? Is there a moment? There's something that happens. Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Which is a quote, direct quote from Psalm 22. Am I right? 22 is what's in my head. You guys look, you'll know. <clears throat> my God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? The Father's presence is with him. He's his comfort. He has not left him alone. And his commitment is to always do the things that please the Father. 
And as Jesus was saying these things, what does verse 30 say? Many believed in him. Many put their trust in him. Not all. Many. I'll take many any day. Many put their trust in him. It's interesting because as we come to this unprecedented time that we are in, in a crazy world gone sideways, the last week before a wild election, maybe <clears throat> who the future is pinned on. Well, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen, but I know in whom I have believed and I am persuaded he's able to keep me no matter what happens. And the day after election day or the day after I'm diagnosed with COVID or the day after I get released from COVID, the job hasn't changed. Go into all the world and make disciples of every nation. That's the job of the church. The church receives her marching orders when we gather together. That's why Hebrews says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, as is a matter of some, and so much more as you see the day approach. Anybody seeing the day approach? So we want to gather. Does that mean we can't gather online? No, you gather how you have to gather. Be encouraged how you need to be encouraged, but realize we still have a purpose, a job. Jesus, who is our great God and Savior, the one whom we say we reflect over and over and over again, said, I'm not here to do my will, but to do the Father's. I'm here to do the job he gave me to do. And that doesn't matter who's president or what virus is out. And I'm not going to tell you how to do it. I'm just going to say we need to be doing it. We need to be about the Father's business. We need to be reflecting the attitude of the Son rightly. We need to be loving one another and caring for one another. We need to be united and not divided because the Lord is not divided. He is perfect unity. And we want to reflect him, don't we? What do we unite around? We don't unite around a president. What do we unite around? We certainly don't unite around the CDC. We, none of us can agree on anything it says. What do you unite around? You unite around the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the, and the life. No man comes to the Father except how? through me so we find our unity in Christ in the truth of his word we are unified in that for one purpose we have one job bring light that dawned in our hearts to a world that's in the darkness amen once you stand with me let's pray father god we thank you for this time and we study your word we thank you for the opportunities that we have to turn our eyes upon Jesus and look full in his wonderful face. And all the cares of this world, they're going to dim in the light of his beauty and grace.
God, I pray that you would give us fresh wind and fresh fire, fresh energy to accomplish the purpose that you've called us to. The enemy has us scattered and has us divided and has us fighting against one another and against ourselves. But that is not how we have learned Christ. Christ unifies. Christ brings us together. Christ gets us focused. The day will come when nobody will ever talk about mask or no mask again. The day will come when people aren't going to talk about this virus. It'll be another virus. The day will come when things in this earth are going to change. But all men everywhere walking in the darkness need to see the light. And we, the church, are salt and light, called by God to be his hands and feet in a world that doesn't know what's true, that can't really comprehend truth because they won't, won't look at it through the lens of Jesus Christ. Lord, I, I pray that we might model who you really are. Because we really know you. And we know you accurately through your word. We know you accurately through your deeds and by the power of your Holy Spirit working in us. May we rightly reflect you. May we rightly shine your light. That men will hear the good news and come to you. So God, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.